Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. You're listening to the College Football Coast to Coast Show. Here are your hosts, Jacob and Tyler. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to College Football Coast to Coast. Uh, What a weekend in college football, as uh, this episode is titled. It has been a weekend and a week of college football to remember for many years to come, uh, as a lot of teams have put their name in the history books uh, for some of the biggest turnarounds and some of the biggest comebacks uh, in the biggest triumphs in college football history. Getting started, of course, with our recap, we got a lot of games to recap, Tyler. And, of course, we start outside of the New Year's Six. Uh, some games to finish up as far as regular bowl season was uh, concerned. And first things first, we do start uh, in this one here with Oklahoma and the number 13-ranked Florida State Seminoles. Uh, This game here was controlled by Oklahoma. Most of the football game here, uh, Florida State with a big comeback late. You can never cut out the Knolls, definitely now in this season, where they seem like they have come back uh, to their past glory of times of Jameis Winston and others, uh, and they've kind of returned to be another powerhouse, hopefully soon here in the ACC. Uh, Tyler, this game finishes 35-32. The Seminoles get that field goal win. Uh, What are your thoughts on this game first from the Oklahoma side um, and their season kind of as a whole, and then on the other side as Florida State season and what we can see in the future from them? Yeah, I think this was uh, definitely a surprise to me. I thought that Florida State, looking at this matchup, uh, especially on the defensive end, that they had the advantage uh, in this one, but it wasn't so as Dylan Gabriel – had a good game as well. The running game was able to get it going. Their running back was able to get a little bit over 100 yards in this one. Like you mentioned, Oklahoma got out uh, to that lead. And in the fourth quarter is when the scoring really started to happen. You had it back and forth. Uh, Oklahoma had their opportunities. And Florida State was able to get it done uh, with a late field goal. But for Oklahoma's season, uh, definitely uh, there was a lot of question marks for the Sooners squad going into the season. You lose your head coach, Lincoln Riley. You use lose uh, Kale Williams, and then you ultimately lose your defensive coordinator, Alex Grinch. He decided uh, to go on to USC, and then you hire Brent Venables. And like I've been saying for multiple weeks, uh, you know, this is a defensive-minded guy. He's had some time at Oklahoma, had some time at Clemson. It's just like the defense wasn't there all season. I feel like quarterback play was there. He, had, he missed some games due to injury, but they – you know, they only had, they're really their one bad game was that 49 and nothing loss in the Red River robbery. Really, nobody showed up. So, six and seven is obviously a disappointment for Oklahoma, just of the story program that they are. Uh, 
seen them in multiple appearances in the college football playoff, but just really haven't been able to get over that hump. Then on the other side, a successful season for Florida State, 10 wins, uh, really their season with a bang, uh, beating a really good LSU team. And then they're able uh, to get more quality wins uh, on the, on their schedule. I know they, they lost to Clemson. That's going to be a team they'll be competing for. So I think Florida State, the way that Mike Norvell has built this program, uh, it's been a couple of years. You know, they've been patient over there in Tallahassee. So I think it's going to pay off next year. And like I said on Sports Scramble, to me, my ACC champion as of right now has to be Florida State, especially with Jordan Travis coming back. He's going to be coming back for his senior season. Had a great showing in this game, 418 yards and two touchdowns. So I think that the Seminoles are going to be a legitimate contender and maybe a dark horse to make the playoff next year if everything goes out right. Yeah, definitely dominant win here uh, late in this game and showing from the Florida State Seminoles. A lot to see them uh, in the future, a lot to come from that organization, like you mentioned. Uh, And yeah, Oklahoma needs to figure it out sometime soon because it's going downhill very fast, even with that new coaching staff. Moving on here to our next game here, it is the number 20-ranked Texas Longhorns up against the 12th-ranked Washington Huskies. Uh, This game here was a close one. I think you and I both thought this game was going to be pretty close. I think first things first in this one, uh, I think Washington probably should have won this game by a little more than what it was, given the turnovers that Michael Penix had uh, in the second half here. Kind of salted away a couple of chances here uh, for Washington to really stretch that lead out. As far as Texas is concerned, holding Washington at 27 points, it doesn't look uh, very good, but it actually is pretty good considering the amount of points Washington has scored this year against teams, a high-powered offense here, strong running game to balance it out. Uh, It was a decent defensive showing from Texas. But you having your starting quarterback back in Quinn Ewers the second half of the season, in the bowl season, you really need to be playing peak football at this time, and Texas just hasn't been able to play peak football uh, really all second half of the season. I mean, their best showing is against Alabama to open the season, and Quinn Ewers only plays one half of football. So, I mean – There's a lot of question marks around Texas. Of course, Hudson Card is transferring out. He will be the next quarterback at Purdue University. Uh, I I just feel that there's a lot of uh, missteps here uh, by Coach Sark, and and I think uh, Washington took full advantage of that, knowing that they were the better offensive team in this one. Defensively, both teams played decent. Uh, But, yeah, uh, Texas, if if you're going to be – uh, a team that's going to try to stay inside the top 25. There has to be some sort of offensive showing here in this one, and there just wasn't. Yeah, this was an early game dominated by Washington. They had a 27-10 to 10 lead, uh, and Texas was able to fight their way back uh, late, but in the end, it, it was it was just too late in this one. Uh, Quinn Ewers only scored a touchdown this one. He had a lot of passing yards in this one. Like you mentioned, Michael Penix had that late interception. Uh, you know, ultimately, he did throw the interception, but – this Washington team going in the next season they're going to be bringing back Michael Penix back their defense is one of the best in the Pac-12 and like you mentioned Texas I do have some question marks with them not really at the quarterback position they are bringing in Arch Manning so I'll be interested to see you know who's going to be the QB1 is it are they still going to go with Quinn Ewers based on performance throughout the year or is the hype really going to overcome this Texas team is is Arch Manning going to get the job done right now I probably have to go with Quinn Ewers I think that Arch Manning Gets at least one year, maybe red shirts, uh, doesn't really hardly play in his freshman season. Uh, but 
yeah, this was another team that we were talking about in the preseason and saying like, oh, once again, Texas is back. I feel like every season we're going to be dealing with this. Eight and five season is definitely not the season that, that Texas is wanting, especially with the way that they played early on in the season uh, against Alabama. You know, if they would have won that game, maybe their season changes. But for Washington, 11 and two, you'll take that with any doubt. I actually had Washington as a sleeper team going in, into this season. I Really liked uh, the addition of Michael Penix uh, to this offense. You know, they had a good running game to go with. They have Washington always had the defense. So going into the next season, the Pac-12 is going to be loaded. You have Utah reloading. USC is going to get their guys back, especially with Kayla Williams. You'll have Oregon State, uh, who's going to have a good football team. So the Pac-12 is going to be another loaded conference next season. Yeah, uh, very excited to see what the Pac-12 has to offer here next year um, and the changes coming into the Big 12. Uh, next this next season as well obviously uh is very uh mind opening i would say for for the big 12 because we haven't seen it for quite some time since the additions of uh you know the teams from the big east that did go on to the big 12 to kind of make that a bigger conference uh moving on to our next game here uh it is the duke's mayo bowl obviously in charlotte north carolina here and it consists of the Maryland Terrapins and the 23rd-ranked NC State Wolfpack. Uh, this game here, Tyler, defensive battle. I didn't think it was going to be a defensive battle only because of the of how Maryland's able to score the football. Um, the one thing I was worried about was Maryland scoring against his NC State defense. Uh, as far as NC State's defense is concerned, they played a heck of a football game. Uh, I was very impressed with how they handled that. Um, it just felt that they controlled the line of scrimmage in this one. Maryland had some big plays downfield and ultimately were able to just slowly move the ball down the field enough to get in field goal range. He had a lot of field goals in this game, uh, and alone couple of touchdowns. I mean, it really was hard to score points in this one. I think, uh, for NC state, of course, you're battling there with the backup quarterback, of course, as they have been here most of the season, because you do lose your starter. Obviously, Devin Leary goes down with an injury. He's now transferred out. So it, it there is a lot of question marks on that NC State offense after only putting up 12 points. Uh, I, I just think the Wolfpack, they have the right coaching in place. I, I just think that the conference is becoming tougher. It's harder to get where they want to be uh, with the with the you know story programs that they're playing against. It's going to be very difficult for them to move past that being ranked 23, I thought was generous in the first place. As uh, poorly as they played late in the season, I f- I think that you know North Carolina is a better team. Obviously, they're ranked a little higher. I think Miami potentially next year can be a better team than them. I know we talk about Miami a lot in the off season, uh, but I think this is their one opportunity where they can bump up past an NC State. I think Pitt's better than NC State. Uh, I think Wake Forest is better than NC State. There's a lot of teams that you can say that about. And of course, Clemson. I just think there's too many question marks surrounding this NC State team for the future for me to be able to side with them now going forward in the ACC. As for Maryland, Maryland's always going to be that, I think, third-tier team in the Big Ten. It's hard for them to uh, compete with the recruiting that's in that general area. A lot of guys from Maryland end up going uh, to bigger schools, uh, Penn State's a big puller from that area. Pitt's a big puller from that area. Uh, even Ohio State and Michigan, it, they just there's too many tough 
uh, bigger schools around there for them to be able to get in the recruiting that they want in order to be a really, really dominant team and have that offensive firepower. But Mike Loxley obviously, uh, you know, takes what he is given uh, and battles with the guys that he has. And it's been a fantastic uh, showing for them in this one, of course, with that coaching staff. Uh, Talia kind of wasn't really supposed to start this game, but kind of came out of nowhere to be their starter in this one. Uh, I think that he controlled the ball pretty well, throwing the football kind of a little bit all over the place. I'm a little worried about uh, the turnover ratio for them, but they really don't have many offensive weapons. That's the problem right now in this stage as a lot of guys did opt out. Uh, Biggest news, I think, for NC State, they are losing their wide receiver one. Uh, he has chosen, out of all places, he's transferring to Penn State uh, to be their wide receiver one over there or two uh, based on who decides to stay or go in Penn State. But I, I think that uh, a lot of question marks for NC State. That's what I'm worried about, uh, mainly for them in the ACC. Yeah, the, really the main concern that I have with NC State was their offense. Losing Devin Leary, I, like I mentioned on last week's show, like this offensive identity – really threw out the door. And this was a weird and wacky game. There was hardly any touchdowns scored in this one. It was mainly the field goal kickers getting their chance. And like you mentioned, Tilia Tungavaloa interceptions, and then Finley, NC State's quarterback, also had two interceptions. So it was just backs that just couldn't find their rhythm. I do think that Maryland, though, their defense really stepped up and rose to the occasion. And this one really fl- flipped the field uh, for, for the Terrapins in this one. So – like you mentioned, I agree with you. I don't think that Maryland will ever get to the, the likes of Ohio State in like the top three of the Big Ten East. I feel like that's going to be your consistent top three teams, uh, depending on what Jim Harbaugh decides to do with Michigan. There's some rumors going on that he could be going to the NFL. So I had this Maryland team as eight and four at start the year. So around that, they finished their season at eight, at eight and five. Uh, but NC State. Like you mentioned, they're number 23, and that's definitely going to drop uh, after this game. I didn't really think that they were a, a top 25 team. Now, Devin Lear, yes, uh, but without him, they just don't really have that offensive identity. And Chet is in the comment. Come on, Mayo Bowl. I want Mayo on me. As If you didn't listen to the sports scramble, Chet uh, wants some media passes, and he would say he would get uh, pretty much uh, a dumpster truck of Mayo poured on him if that were to, <laughs> were to happen. So we'll see. Yeah, we'll we'll see what what happens here in the near future with this one, of course, Chet. Uh, I know you're not the biggest fan of Mayo, nor are a lot of us on this show. Um, But yeah, that's a bold move there, Chet, in order to do that. Of course, if you guys are going to get more of a perspective on the Mayo uh, and who would do it for what kind of money, you guys can go check that over at the Sports Gramble podcast. Uh, moving on here to our next game is a interesting one. It was a big game here late. Uh, it consists of the Pitt Panthers up against the 18th ranked UCLA Bruins. Uh, UCLA had a lead, a pretty big one early on in this game. I thought UCLA could control the line of scrimmage very well. Of course, I think they're the prototypical team that can balance the run in the pass perfectly. Uh, and I think Chip Kelly has done well with that, with that offense. Of course, you have DTR there, dominant running back with Zach Charbonnet. And really, this was their opportunity to make a push for the Pac-12. Uh, they did, ultimately, they fell short. That game against USC, 
in that back and forth offensive battle really was the tipping point for their season. They win that game. They're likely playing Utah in the Pac-12 championship. Of course, they end up losing that game and so on and so forth for the rest of the Pac-12 and end of all season. But we'll get all to that soon. Uh, as for Pitt, this game, I had both of us really didn't think that Pitt had much of a chance in this one to win this football game. Um, Pitt showed that they can battle for 60 minutes and, and they just went out there and took took control of this entire game late. Uh, and of course they get a 37 to 35 win over the Bruins. I think for UCLA, this has to be tough considering how you played. You didn't have a whole heck of a lot of opt-outs in this one. Uh, Pitt's not even playing with their number one quarterback. It just felt like a game that was a little strange from UCLA side. And I don't know if there was a hundred percent effort there or they were just gassed from the season. It just didn't seem like a full fledged effort late in this game. And uh, coach Narduzzi and that pit offense was able to take control late in this football game. Yeah. No Keaton Slovis, no problem for Pitt. Uh, it was a little dicey at the start of the game. UCLA got up to a 28 to 14 lead after interception return uh, for a touchdown but really the main problem was this one that DTR had three interceptions and most of the time that you lose the turnover battle it's pretty much going to result in the loss uh so I think that this is definitely a, a disappointing loss for UCLA especially with the talent on the offensive side you're losing DTR is going to NFL draft Zach Charbonnet so that's pretty much your whole entire offense production right there so UCLA could have a drop off uh, next season, depending on what their recruiting cat class is looking at and if uh, Chip Kelly decides to get another guard in the transfer portal, there's obviously some, see some big names. Uh, the biggest one is Spencer Sanders uh, and Sam Hartman. But I got to give it to Pitt. I mean, Pat Narduzzi got his his ball club ready. I did not pick uh, Pittsburgh in this one. I have confidence in UCLA, especially uh, with the opt-outs on Pittsburgh side. But it doesn't matter who. Steps on the field for the Panthers. They're going to show up and fight. And in the fourth quarter, they brought the offense back. And and what a what a game it was uh, in the Sun Belt. Not in the Sun the Sun Bowl. I expect this one to be a high scoring game, but on UCLA's side. Uh, so very impressed uh, with Pitt. And I think uh, the success that they had in this bowl game is definitely going to help them going into next season. Absolutely. And moving on to our next one, I think this is probably the most exciting one for, from my perspective of the bowl season, and that is number 21 Notre Dame up against the 19th-ranked South Carolina Gamecocks. I tell you what, I really was shocked at how aggressive South Carolina was early on in this game. I figured they play a little bit conservative, knowing Notre Dame can play a decent game, uh, especially hinged on their running game in this one. Of course, starting quarterback Drew Pine is no longer on the team. You do have a new guy in there, Tyler Buckner, is kind of their their go-to guy right now and they're looking like uh, unless there is a transfer coming in I know we talked about Sam Hartman going to Notre Dame uh, unless that you know falls apart I mean Tyler Buckner is probably going to be their starter uh, and he is young he is kind of new to the offense and of course he's got a lot to learn going forward with Notre Dame uh, this game here for South Carolina I thought Spencer Rattler played a pretty good game here uh, some overthrows a little bit off, but I mean, it's going to happen after you haven't been play, playing football for about three weeks. So I understand that. Um, 
And then on the other side, you know, on defense, I thought South Carolina played a very good defensive game other than their secondary. I think that really was their problem in this one. It really was their success again in other games like Clemson, like Tennessee. That was their success. Their secondary really controlled the entire game downfield. Uh, and this one was the complete opposite. Notre Dame was able to air the ball out late in this one, balancing that run and pass. Uh, they are another team that balanced it very well, uh, and they did in this one. Let me tell you what, they got a tough running back. He had a heck of a game for Notre Dame, and uh, I think you'll probably get to a little bit of his stats, but I think that was ultimately the contributing factor. Late touchdown by Notre Dame, they go up, and they get the touchdown win here, 45-38. to over the South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah, this game started off a, a great weekend of college football, like I mentioned uh, in the pre-show. Uh, but there was a lot of hype with the South Carolina team. A lot of people are picking them, including us. They were very high on this South Carolina team. I mean, they show that they were one of the hottest teams coming off of two big wins against two top ten teams, the likes of Tennessee and Clemson. Uh, but, like, Notre Dame didn't really even receive any – chance in this one and this becomes an offensive explosion for both teams three interceptions by tyler buckner two of them uh coming on an interception return for a touchdown the really the one that set off this game into a tie 38 to 38 was notre dame was about to put the game away and then all of a sudden south carolina picks it off and they return it for a 100 yard pick six so uh but just too much time uh, in the end after that pick six uh, notre dame had a lot of time left on the clock they're able to drive down the field they got a 16 yard touchdown pass in this one so South Carolina's defense uh you know they've been inconsistent throughout the season they really had a slow start to the season where Georgia put up over 40 points on them Arkansas put up 40 points on them I feel like they have improved but they haven't been the best defense that they have can be uh in the SEC Notre Dame side their secondary got exposed as well Spencer Rattler was able to take some deep shots but what a bowl game this was. Uh, definitely a huge win for Notre Dame. I mean, this was a team that we were even talking about. Are they even going to make a bowl game? And now they finish at 9-4. So ultimately, all in all, I think that Marcus Freeman did a good job uh, at his first-year head coach. Uh, really was a slow start to the season. You lost your home opener, road opener to uh, Ohio State. You lose an embarrassing loss to Marshall. But after that, you really regroup. You beat you know some quality of teams, especially the game that we're going to be circling is Clemson. And now you beat a top 19 opponent in South Carolina, but still South Carolina eight and five season, still a very good season uh, for Shane Beamer. I think, especially if Spencer Rattler comes back, if you're losing Marshawn Lord. He's entering the transfer portal. So that's a guy. a lot of the wide receiver weapons. So South Carolina will definitely be in it uh, in the SEC East, especially with the way uh, that they're losing some of their guys on the offensive side. And then Tennessee is also losing their quarterback as well. So, SEC East uh, could very well be open next year, but Notre Dame could be a team uh, to watch next year, especially if Sam Hartman joins that ball club. Absolutely. Definitely a lot to come from Notre Dame, and we'll see how Shane Beamer and the South Carolina Gamecocks reload uh, and come at it again in the SEC East all over again next season because uh, it'll be a great time to see what happens with that team as they build a lot of momentum. Uh, going into the start of next season. Getting to our next one here, a game that I did not watch um, because it, it just, I don't know. Number one, it really didn't have much television coverage. Uh, and number two, it, it it matters for these two schools, but not in the grand scheme of things <laughs> because they are very small. Um, Ohio University faced off against Wyoming in this one. 
Uh, Ohio gets the win 30-27. to Close game here, I thought. Wyoming score. they struggled to score the ball this season, uh, and they had no problems here against Ohio. Uh, Ohio gets the win in this one. They hold on to a three-point win. Um, I'm sure you probably have a little bit more insight on this game, Tyler, than I do, but uh, I think Ohio can be happy with their showing in the MAC this season. They do fall short of that MAC championship uh, after they do lose to Toledo. Toledo's a good football team, uh, and, and you can't count them out of anything uh, late in the season. So Ohio, they do have pieces in order to to go to the MAC championship again and win it. Uh, of course, that battle with uh, Toledo is kind of on their bucket list that they need to win here in the in the coming years. Yeah, ten win season is definitely well, all that you can ask for if you're our Bobcat fan. This was, you know, a good game as well. For, we're starting this week, and this game uh, went down into overtime. Like you mentioned, not enough coverage since it's the Barstool Sports Arizona Bowl. Uh, they were the one uh, to cover that, so that was really the only way uh, to watch uh, that game. Uh, but still, I think this was uh, both teams that really played well. I think that this game was always going to be an offense, a firepower. Both teams are really balanced, and you saw both the quarterbacks we're on it, and in the running backs as well. Uh, Wyoming's running back had two touchdowns, and Ohio's running back had one touchdown, over 140 yards rushing. So, got to give credit to Ohio's season. Uh, this is a team uh, that I have given some hype on. Uh, Wyoming, I think, it has a couple of years left. They're still in rebuilding mode, especially after the Josh Allen days. Uh, so, they're still looking uh, for a gunslinger. I think that Peasley is definitely going to be the guy going for them forward. I just think that both of these defenses, they're going to look at themselves in the mirror and say that this is going to be where we need to improve. So I think that Ohio down the stretch, their defense kind of faltered. Wyoming, you can say the same thing, but still a very good bowl game. And Ohio was able to get their 10th win of the season. So very good season for the Bobcats. Yes, very good season for the Bobcats and for the MAC as a whole. Uh, as we look into the offseason for them, we'll break down those conferences and the smaller ones throughout the offseason. But getting into our big ones here, the first one of the nightcap of that one uh, was the number sixth-ranked Tennessee Volunteers up against the seventh-ranked Clemson Tigers. Tennessee, what a showing from their offense, backed by Mr. Milton the third back there, uh, took control of that offense like Hendon Hooker was still back there. They are really a one-two punch. You have 1A and 1B back there. Um and Tennessee wins this one 31-14 over Clemson. I figured that Clemson would put up a fight, and I thought Clemson would win this football game. I did not have much uh, confidence, I would say, in Tennessee's offense, knowing that Milton hasn't played much this season um, because of Hendon Hooker being so dominant and moving the football pretty quick. Um, they were slowed down a little bit throughout this one, but they still played pretty fast uh, as Josh Heupel kept them up pace and up tempo. Clemson was gassed. I mean, there's just no way that they could keep up with this team uh, as far as defense goes. Offensively, Clemson was awful. Uh, Cade Klubniak had a rough game, and it's a uh, good old welcome to the big games uh, and a welcome to big football for him and uh, really – this will humble him going into the offseason. And Clemson, you know, I talked about this on the Sports Scramble a little bit. There's a lot of question marks, I think, around this Clemson football team. 
uh, and ultimately it does come down to the quarterback position. Will Shipley was their only guy uh, that really could muster any offense in this game. And if you look at it, you know, I kind of gave the analogy of, you know, if we go back a number of years ago, I said Clemson really reminds me of Stanford with the times of Andrew Luck and Christian McCaffrey. I just felt that there was uh, a lot of hesitation in the backfield. You just saw Klubniak going through his progressions just too slow, it felt like. Couldn't handle the Tennessee pass rush, uh, and it ultimately got to him. And there were times that he just couldn't fit the ball into tight windows that just weren't even there. And then uh, throwing the ball away when he doesn't need to throw it away. There's just a lot to learn that he needs to learn going into the offseason. I'm sure he'll be watching that tape over and over again all offseason just to figure out what went wrong and go back to the drawing board because next season doesn't get any easier for them. And the following few seasons don't get any easier as they've got some big games scheduled to open up their seasons uh, because I do think they face off against LSU in a couple of years for that uh, home-and-home kind of thing. early on in the season. So we'll see what happens. I think uh, this is a big win for Tennessee. Of course, they say that they are coming and they're kind of there on the heels of everybody. Of course, they're winning against Alabama. They are playing at home. Uh, You can look back at that one. It's kind of their turning point in their season, other than that blowout loss to South Carolina. If they don't lose that game to South Carolina, we're talking about them being that fourth slot in the, the college football playoff. Um, and it's a whole different makeup, but who knows what could happen. Uh, but I, I think that uh, Tennessee took control of this one, and they made the most of their opportunity with this 31-14 to win. Yeah, kudos. I mean, with all the opt-outs, they could have just laid down flat and, and just gave up on the season. But you got to credit Joe Milton. Three touchdowns in this one, and he had some dimes in this one to Squirrel White, the wide receiver for Tennessee. I don't think that anyone had any doubt – going to know his name, especially with Jalen Hyatt and Cedric Tillman going on into the NFL draft. And I think that Jalen Wright, he didn't score a touchdown this one, but the running game was able to have success against this Clemson defense. And I think that Tennessee's defense, kudos to them as well. Of all, really, they could like throughout the season, they've had games where they got exposed. I think this was definitely one of their best games of the season. They were able to shut down Will Shipley in that running game, that was really Clemson's offense. So it has been running through Will Shipley. And like I said, on the sports scramble as well, like the wide receiver position is just not as elite as it has been, as we've seen in the past, you know, they had guys like Sammy Watkins, Deandre Hopkins come through the program, T Higgins, and then uh, Justin Ross as well. So there hasn't really been that guy to step up for them. It's all really been Will Shipley coming out of the backfield uh, but Cade Klubniak, I thought that he was going to be the guy and this was going to be the game for him uh, to really provide some momentum going into the next season. But he goes out there and throws two interceptions that really flips this game on its head. So I really wish I would have just my Tennessee pick. I did go with Clemson uh, with all the opt outs. Uh, so that was definitely a pick that I want back. Uh, but really good season for Tennessee, even with uh, that loss to South Carolina. I still think that 11 wins Tennessee. And so we'll definitely take that and beating a team like Clemson. So I agree with you. I definitely think there's going to be a lot of question marks uh, around this Clemson program. This has been a program that has now missed the playoffs in back-to-back years. And, you know, the way that, you know, people are really seeing it, like DJ Uyungle is gone and people are like around this program, like, oh, Kate Klevniak's the guy. Well, I don't know. 
he's had this bad game. I know it's only been one bad game, but this is probably going to be the best defense. This like Tennessee's defense wasn't the best going into this game, and the fact that he couldn't even throw a touchdown in this one, I just think that this was definitely uh, an embarrassing showing uh, for Clemson. I was expecting more for this one, but Tennessee, like I said, what a season they dominated this one from start to finish. Absolutely. And moving on to our next game here in New Orleans is the All-State Sugar Bowl uh, between the number five ranked Alabama Crimson Tide and the ninth ranked Kansas State Wildcats. Uh, Alabama goes down early in this one 10-0 on the back of Deuce Vaughn with a huge touchdown run with a 60-yard touchdown run. Uh, Really, K-State kind of opens this game and you're thinking, man, they're hitting Alabama in the mouth pretty early in this one and uh alabama goes into the locker room actually alabama starts the second quarter uh on fire and they end up closing the half with a 21 to 10 lead uh closing the game out after that it was all alabama as alabama scores 24 in the second half while uh kansas state can only muster up another 10 in the second half Uh, alabama gets the win 45 to 20 in this one uh, they break their streak of losing Sugar Bowls. For this, uh, I think for Alabama, it's a good way for them to send out uh, Bryce Young and Will Anderson. I think that uh, time has come where uh, Alabama is going to turn to a new type of player, uh, and they really need to figure out who that is and who that guy's going to be. Of course, they're full of four and five star guys. It uh, it's more of a it's not a rebuild for them. And of course, there's been you know talks about that. Alabama never rebuilds; it's a reload for Alabama. And I think uh, I think that's a a case of what they're gonna do. They're gonna reload and get ready for the next season. But still, I think Alabama, you can't go out there and recruit four and five star wide receivers and them have have bad seasons. I mean, you've got some guys that just could not catch the ball to save their life this season, and uh, it really was terrible to see them as far as uh, completions went. And I think it hurt Bryce Young, you know, throughout this season, and there's a reason why uh, Bryce Young wasn't the Heisman Trophy winner again for that reason. Uh, I, I think there's a lot of question marks around their offense, not at the quarterback position, not at the running back position, but at the slot and wide receiver position. Um, Defensively, Alabama give up too many points this season in the secondary to some teams that shouldn't have scored that many points against them. This was kind of the one showing where Alabama's defense showed up and played a a good game from start to finish after going down 10. Uh, Just a lot there to unpack for Alabama in the offseason as – course they fall short of the college football playoff which we haven't seen very often from them uh this might be the first year that alabama has missed the college football playoff uh just because of them just not executing in games that uh we thought they could win pretty easily i was a little worried at the start of this game Uh, like you mentioned k-state got out to that 10 to nothing lead after that big uh, 80 plus yard run by deuce vaughn and i mean just looking at the all Started in this one. Bryce Young uh, was really off on his wide receivers. They just weren't on the same page uh, in this one. But after Kansas State went up 10 to nothing, you just knew that this Alabama team 
wasn't just going to fall flat like that. Nick Saban is going to coach his guys up. And really, Kansas State had no answer. Once Bryce Young got going, it's really a tough guy to start. He's the best quarterback going into this year's draft. And I got to commend Alabama's defense as well. After that big run by Kansas State, we didn't really see much of Deuce Vaughn after that. Most of his yards was on that, and he only had like 10 yards after that carry. You know, Alabama did have the, the defensive game plan heading into this matchup. Uh, so I think uh, even out of missing the playoffs, this was still a good season for Alabama. I know that Alabama fans always want more. They want their team uh, to compete for national championships. That's just a program that they're built on. Uh, but they definitely had a lot of talent on both sides of the ball. You return your former Heisman Trophy candidate. You get a guy like Jameer Gibbs. Uh, and through the transfer portal and then your receiver town, I know that you saw uh, Jermaine Burton. He had a touchdown in this game. Ja'Cory Brooks had a good season. But it wasn't like the season that we are so accustomed to with the former Alabama wide receivers that I talked about in last week's show. So Kansas State, though, I know that they were, they were overmatched to begin with in this one. I just knew that, especially on the defensive side. Once Alabama's defense uh, really shut down K-State's uh, running game, Will Howard turned the ball over just two – too many costly turnovers in Alabama's offense. So uh, was able to get some points off of those turnovers. So even though that they got exposed uh, in this one, uh, Kansas State really a mir- you know really a miraculous season like TCU were that we're seeing in the Big Twelve. Those were the two top uh, teams uh, in the Big Twelve. They were able to avenge their loss in the Big Twelve championship. So I think that Kansas State really good season for them. I think that Alabama is going to be. There's a lot of pieces uh, leaving them, so it's going to be interesting to see if Alabama can reload uh, heading into next season because we're seeing, you know, some of the top, like even like like I mentioned, Georgia is going to be losing some guys, and you're seeing all these other SEC teams. LSU is getting some key starters back. Uh, Auburn with their new head coach is probably going to be a couple of years, and in Florida as well with their new head coach will probably be a couple of years. So. I think that the SEC next year is going to be as wide open as it has been in a very long time. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree with you in the SEC and in the Big 12 on both of those accounts. Going into our next one here is the matchup between the Iowa Hawkeyes and the Kentucky Wildcats. Talk about a good old-fashioned game of football here. Uh, Probably the most boring game to watch outside of one we'll get to later uh, in college football in the bowl season. The Iowa Hawkeyes win this game 21 to nothing over the Kentucky Wildcats. Shut out. Yes. Kentucky scores zero points. Iowa, the team that uh, prized themselves on shutout wins. Kentucky barely could get the ball over midfield in this one. It's just a terrible showing on offense from them. They couldn't figure out anything. Uh, they ran the Wildcat formation. They ran everything they could just to try to get points. Iowa's defense stepped up and played a really good game. Of course, they did have a couple of opt-outs on defense, but Iowa showed that their bench can even play defense. Um, Iowa scores 21 points. Uh, Folks, their offense only scored seven. Uh, More credit goes to the defense. The defense gets the game ball on this one on offense and defense uh, because the defense converted twice on pick sixes. And, uh, you know, they score 14 points uh, to win this one 21 to nothing. I just... I don't know how Kentucky can't score any points in this one. It just seems weird, wild. Iowa's defense was not that good this year. Um, I I had a lot of question marks about that. They weren't even ranked in the top 25. They weren't even a part of much of anything. And I'm surprised how well Iowa played 
defensively in this one. I thought Kentucky was going to be able to move the ball a little better in this one, but it goes to show that they don't got anything outside of a quarterback and a running back that both decided to go on to the NFL draft, uh, and they ain't got nothing right now. Uh, Kentucky might be my team next year to be dead last in the SEC. Even with Uh, Devin Leary going there? I think so. I'm worried about Kentucky and their offense. Uh, I have more belief in the future of Missouri than I do in the future of Kentucky uh, with how they're playing. They have a close-knit group in Missouri, and and I think that they're ultimately going to be the better team uh, in the SEC. And South Carolina was down there, you know, and Kentucky was the better team to start the season than South Carolina. South Carolina turned up the heat and really uh, kind of flip-flopped with Kentucky I just uh, – I'm not sure how both of these teams made the bowl season to begin with, uh, and it's kind of one of those games in between there that really doesn't matter, uh, and, and it's not really much to look at either just because of – it just falls in a weird spot. Um, I, I just didn't like these two teams playing in this game. It just felt out of place. This was just a prototypical Iowa game. And like you mentioned, I was like, okay, 21 points. And like you mentioned, this, the early points came from the offense and the late points came from two uh, pick sixes. And like you mentioned, Will Levis being out in this game, Chris Rodriguez being out in this game, Kentucky's offense didn't really have a pulse on the offensive side. They did have one key starter uh, playing in this game, Dane Key. This, this was their number one guy, uh, the receiver. But if you don't have a formidable quarterback throwing it to him then it's really no use in that one so this was just a prototypical Iowa game I mean Iowa didn't have a good offensive showing either they only had 206 yards of offense Kentucky 185 so this was just Iowa's defense really put in uh, being ball hawks like they've always been getting two key turnovers to really flip this game yeah this this was a game that I had was on Kentucky at first, uh, especially if Will Levis and Chris Rodriguez played. But without them, they were very lost in offense, you can tell from start to finish. Yeah, and moving on to our exciting ones here. Before we get to our exciting ones, Tyler, I got to give us our first sponsor of the show, uh, and that is Fanatics. If you guys want to head over to Fanatics, you guys can get all of your gear, of course, for the bowl season. In some games that we're getting to next, you can get all of your gear from your champions there uh, and wear that all off season in support of them as they make their push to next season with their new rosters, their new coaches, their new everything. Uh, And of course you have to wait for your merch for the national championship. If you are a Georgia or a TCU fan. Um, But if you guys want to head over there and get all that merchandise over at Fanatics, you guys can use that link below um, in our show hit that link, uh, help us out. Of course, we do get a little proceeds from that, but most of it does go to facts, but anything helps over here on the show. Uh, cause we are still trying to grow this show into something bigger and better every day for you guys. Um, and of course you guys can get all of that merch and that helps us out tremendously. And we like to see you sport that merch, uh, and shoot us a picture over there on Twitter or whatever. Uh, letting us know what you got in uh, sporting your merch. I've got mine behind me up top here, old and new uh, things up top. But uh, you guys can head over to fanatics.com. Uh, getting on to our games, Tyler, the first one here of them is the semifinal game here. And what a game it was. The number three ranked TCU Horn Frogs and the second ranked Michigan Wolverines. 
Uh, TCU wins this one 51 to 45 uh, in Phoenix, Arizona. I am ultimately kind of shocked with the fact that how competitive this game was, number one, uh, at the amount of points. Uh, 96 points is too many points in a football game. That means there's no defense, and there was no defense in this football game. Uh, TCU, you know, a lot of people had no belief in this TCU team after losing the Big 12 championship. They said, oh, Michigan's going to steamroll, and Michigan's the best defense in college football. Well, let me tell you what. Michigan is not the best defense in college football if they're going to give up 51 points to TCU. Sonny Dykes and that TCU offense dialed it up, and uh, they took advantage of every little crease on the field against Michigan. Michigan looked lost in the secondary. Uh, they couldn't communicate at all. And I think I told you later, uh, or I'm sorry, earlier in the season that Michigan was vulnerable in the secondary. They had young guys out there that just weren't communicating well. They got beat deep multiple times throughout it. The only thing that saved them was their offense. Uh, and the problem in this one is, is TCU has a better offense than Michigan does. Uh, J.J. McCarthy got a lot of pressure. I mean, that's the most I've seen J.J. McCarthy roll out of the pocket all season long. Took some big hits in this one. Uh, you know, got up kind of limber a couple of times. But, I, you know, all credit to TCU in this one. They punched Michigan in the mouth uh, in this one from start to finish. I was very impressed with TCU. Uh, Michigan, I can't say Michigan played down, but Michigan played lost. In a lot of in a lot of different categories in this game, number one is coaching. I want to know why Harbaugh didn't take any timeouts inside of two and a half minutes in this game with the ball. You know, late in that game, it's too late ultimately at that point. Uh, in a miscue by Michigan, of course, they fumble the ball and that is it. And uh, TCU caps it off, and they're headed to the Natty. I am very impressed every week with this TCU team. It's like they're not scared of anyone that steps on this field. They just have that identity into and the key that i said going into this matchup these are two teams that have are very prone to slow starts and in this game tc was not prone to any slow start they had the lead seven nothing and they didn't give it up at, at, really at any point in this game tcu i mean the way that max duggan played in this one i know that he had two interceptions but i think that he looked at this guy quinn johnson you better be able to recognize his name because he is going to be a stud uh, I'm pretty sure after this, uh, the national championship is over. He's going to declare for the NFL draft. And I think that whenever Keandre Miller went down, the backup, Demarcado, I mean, he had an amazing game in the backup slot. He comes in, goes for 160 yards rushing. Like, you don't re ever expect that from a backup, and especially against a defense that everybody was raving on, especially their defensive front. But really – TCU controlled both lines of the scrimmage in this one. We were all talking about Michigan's offensive line of how great that they played against Ohio State's defense. No one was giving TCU's uh, def defense credit. I mean, they were they showed it all season that they were one of the better defensive fronts uh, in the Big 12, and they showed that they're not scared to play anyone. I'm sure that they're not going to be scared to play Georgia coming up uh, on next uh, next Monday. So. I got to give credit to TCU. I mean, in every phase of the game, they're able to get that fumble 
Uh, late in the game, J.J. McCarthy had a missed snap. McCarthy had a slow start as well. He was able to get Michigan back in the game, but you just felt like TCU controlled that one from start to finish, even with Michigan. I mean, this was just deep throws after deep throws. I mean, there were so many big plays in this one. This was definitely the game of the semifinal, which I expected since after the the next one that we're going to be talking about. I mean, this was just an amazing game, and I was just – one of the few, one of the many people that had a chance to watch this game, very impressed with TCU, and this is just another Michigan showing in the playoff where last year they got exposed, and then this year they get exposed again. So there's going to be a lot of questions, especially uh, with all the rumors going on in Ann Arbor. Yeah, there's a lot of rumors going on in Ann Arbor. We'll see if they come to fruition. Uh, I think getting here to our next game, the biggest piece uh, is this one was another battle as well. The number four ranked Ohio State Buckeyes uh, are glad that they were a part of the college football playoff face off against the undefeated number one ranked Georgia Bulldogs in Atlanta, a home game for the Georgia Bulldogs in this one, as usual, when they are a part of the college football playoff. Uh, This one here was surprisingly close. (laughs) I had Georgia winning this game by two touchdowns, at least maybe three. I felt that they were the better team offensively. Uh, As you like to say, Stetson Bennett, that mailman, he throws the ball uh, down the field and it gets where he wants it to go. I had a lot of question marks about Ohio State's secondary. Their pass rush on offense or on defense has been good all season long. I didn't have any question marks regarding that. Uh, They were able to pressure Stetson Bennett, but uh, he held in the pocket, stayed cool, calm, and collected and delivered some strikes downfield uh, and ultimately had guys open at the right moment. Uh, As far as Ohio State's offense goes, C.J. Stroud kind of made the most of his opportunity and what he had left in this one. Marvin Harrison goes down early in this one and uh, with a concussion and does not come back to this football game. And ultimately... There's no Jackson Smith and Jigba. There's no, I mean, there's no pieces there that he's had before. Uh, and a lot of young guys that he has to trust to hold on to that football and make big plays. Ultimately, in the end, uh, he called his own number to get big yardage to set them up for a field goal to win it from 50 yards. Uh, and Ohio State's kicker ends up missing it uh, by about a football field. And uh, Georgia holds on for a one-point win. Um, honestly, at the end of it all, it was such a good football game. It's hard to see any missed opportunities here from either team on offense and defense. Um, just a battle. I mean, and, and I think Georgia's lucky to come out of this game alive as Ohio state, uh, would have been very lucky if they came out of this game alive as well. It was just a heavyweight battle from start to finish. Ohio state's got a lot to think about in the off season. Um, I just think it was two well 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 played games, uh, coaching wise and uh, execution wise from both teams. I don't know what your thoughts are on this one, uh, but Georgia, I tell you what, they're they're holding their breath and uh, they're lucky to be heading to another national championship here. Yeah, they're getting a second chance like Ohio State did in this playoff. And this game just capped off probably the greatest college football playoff semifinal games that we've had. In a very long time, because like I've to- been telling you, there's always been a game where one is close and the other one is it's pretty much a blowout. Just look at last year, Alabama-Cincinnati was a blowout. Can't, can't remember the other game, but I feel like that was a blowout uh, as well. But 
really looking at these two games, you get a one-point margin and then a six-point margin. That's seven points combined in both defeats. So I think that, like Ohio State, going back into this game, Ohio State punched Georgia in the mouth like TCU did to Michigan to start this game. I think that C.J. Stroud, there's been a lot of criticism around him. It's still he's had a very good season, not you know the Heisman season he was expecting, but he played his tail off. Four touchdowns over 300 yards in this one. Like you mentioned, no Jackson Smith and Jigba. Uh, you did did have a guy Ibuke step up uh, for Ohio State in this one. Marvin Harrison also had a good game as in this one before he got knocked out, and that really opened up the playbook for Ohio State and C.J. Stroud uh, to really use his legs, uh, like you mentioned, to get down into field goal range. But really, I mean, I believe that the Georgia defense uh, is not the Georgia defense that we've been used to in these past two weeks. You know, they let up 30 points. Uh, to LSU, especially whenever Garrett Nussmeyer stepped in and was able to take some deep shots to his wide receivers. And then we see in this game, C.J. Stroud is pretty much having a heyday against this Georgia secondary. So this Georgia secondary is going to get tested once again with Max Duggan and the, the really the weapons that this, this Horn Frog offense has. So I think this is a back-and-forth game. Like I mentioned, I thought that Ohio State both times they had a 14-point lead and then they had – a 14-point lead going into the fourth. I was like, wow, is Ohio State actually going to pull off the unthinkable? Because I knew that nobody had Ohio State win this game. I had Georgia really routing in this one. But I think that Ohio State, you got to give them credit. Really, after getting blown out, getting exposed once again the second straight year to Michigan, you come out and play the best game of your year, and you still end up short. I think that this is going to be a long offseason for all these players. This one is definitely going to sting. But, I mean, this is – I'm hoping for a revenge tour for Ohio State, but I'm just not quite sure, especially losing C.J. Stroud. That's going to be a big piece in this one. But like you mentioned, Georgia, I think you could see, you could hear it from Kirby Smart. They're lucky, honestly, to even win this game because Ohio State outplayed them and outclassed them in this game. Yeah, of course. Uh, those are two big semifinal games like you mentioned. That's the best college football playoff semifinal that we have seen since uh, its introduction into the college football uh, scenery. Of course, we do have the national championship game to get to, and it's coming up, of course, next Monday. Getting on to our next one, our less uh, exciting one until after the final whistle goes off. It is the ReliQuest Bowl uh, in Tampa, Florida, of course, at Raymond James Stadium. Uh, between the 22nd ranked Mississippi State Bulldogs up against the Illinois Fighting Illini. Uh, Mississippi State gets this win here 19-10, to 10, virtually 13-10. to 10, uh, They because, covered the three and a half. <laughs> yeah, they covered the three and a half uh, only because of Illinois' last chance effort uh, with about 10 laterals and a fumble that Mississippi State decided to pick up and return it all the way rather than jump on it. Um, it went from a bad beat to a uh, beat in the face of multiple people after the game. Uh, a lot of uh, pushing and shoving after this one upset that uh, Mississippi State decided to return it all the way back for a touchdown with no time on the clock. I do think it's kind of stupid. I think they probably should have just jumped on the ball and called it a day, slide it out. It, it, it was just kind of a, a dumb way to end the football game and – it's going to hang over the heads for a little bit. Uh, as far as Illinois is concerned, um, this is 
tough for them because you don't have your starting running back who's basically the lifeline of your team in Chase Brown. Uh, I think that that was a major piece that uh, was missing, and I think that they've done well balancing that run and pass. That's why they were so well against Michigan, you know, and Michigan just had the ball last in that game and they ended up winning. Um, you know, I, I think that they could have spoiled a lot of people's seasons. And uh, Brett Bielema, like I said, is probably the most improved. If there was a most improved coach out there from season to season, I think it has to go to him. I've been high on him and this Illinois team all season long. Um, it's good that they got here and they got in a big game on New Year's. And uh, for Mississippi State, I think it's a good way to end their season knowing that, you know, your head coach and Mike Leach has passed away, you know, unexpectedly. And, uh, you know, you got to move on and, and start fresh with what you got. And uh, I think it was a good showing from them late in this game. I mean, think about this game is 10 to 7 at half, uh, and Illinois has the lead. Mississippi State doesn't allow uh, Illinois to score in the second half. I mean, nobody really could score the ball at all after the first quarter was 0 0. Um, if you took the under, you are brave. Uh, like me and you picked right because um, I think I had 37 and a half was the over under at the time of the bet. And um, I bravely took the under and uh, it happened only 29 points in this game, uh, which is pretty low for a bowl game. But these two teams, of course, I think both struggled to score. It was either going to be a Mississippi state route or it's going to be a close game. And uh, Mississippi state kept it close here and was able to hold up. Yeah, honestly, this contest was played at Illinois' pace. Uh, this was a 0-0 score going after the first quarter. And then the only scoring in the second quarter was Tommy DeVito, two-yard run, and then a field goal by Mississippi State, and a 7-3 halftime score. So I bet those in attendance were like wondering, like, are we going to get any offense in this game, or is this what it's going to be? And that's just how Illinois plays. I mean, they're just a bread-and-butter Big Ten football. They're going to – run it down your throat and play solid defense. So I think that this was just a game that you just really just had to get through uh, on the defensive side. Will Rogers was able to connect uh, to get it to 10, 10. Uh, and then Mississippi state was able to complete the scoring uh, on a field goal with eight seconds left. And like you mentioned, Illinois tried to get some laterals and didn't work. And then Mississippi state was able to cover the three and a half. Uh, that's a bad beat if you're an Illinois better, a plus three and a half, but you are jumping for joy if you took uh, Mississippi State uh, three and a half. So kudos uh, for the Bulldogs of getting the win. I, I like the touch of the helmets that, that they did uh, with the pirate flag. They put a, a Michael Leach portrait uh, on the pirate ship. So kudos uh, to get this one for the late Michael Leach. Yeah, kudos to uh, Mississippi State in keeping this one in a close win for them. Moving on to our next one here in the not-so-close game. Uh, in the Cheez-It Citrus Bowl. Let me tell you what. These two teams should never step on the field against each other ever again after this one. Uh, number 17, LSU and the Tigers face off against the Purdue Boilermakers, who were your Big Ten West uh, team to come out and play in the Big Ten Championship. Man, they played real Big Ten football here uh, for Purdue, only getting seven points in this one, and that came in the fourth quarter. Um LSU wins this one 63-7. Yes, that is correct, folks, 63-7. to LSU decides to play football now uh, after getting beat by Georgia. They up the intensity, and uh, they figure it out. I, I thought they did pretty well throwing the football. It just it, it felt like uh, child's play in this one. I, it, just, it wasn't a game that anybody needed to watch. 
the stands were virtually empty, which they should have been to begin with because it, it just wasn't a football game in, in my eyes. Uh, Purdue, you know, you lose your head coach. Drew Brees is filling in. whoop de doo And it, it just, it was kind of, you know, it, it sucks because, man, that really looks bad on Drew Brees because, man, he's been over there helping the quarterbacks through all this stuff. And then you go and bench your quarterback after, you know, a half and you bring in your backup and he can only do seven points. Their backup played better than the starter. Uh, but Purdue, man, let me tell you what, uh, I have so many thoughts, concerns with the Big Ten West, as I've kind of said all season long. Uh, it just continues. I'm I'm struck by the amount of, uh, or I'm sorry, the lack of offense and the lack of uh, intensity from these teams in the Big Ten West. Um, as far as LSU goes, 63 points is really good. It, on you know, looking at it, but on paper, I, I think that LSU had this been somebody else, I, I think we're talking a little closer football game. I don't think LSU realistically is going to score sixty three points unless it's Southern University. Uh, you know, I just don't, I just don't see it, and uh, th- it's a good. I can't even say it's a good win for. Them. I I can't even say that Tyler. Um, it's a win for them, uh, and it's a win for Brian Kelly, and of course, in his first season coaching for the LSU Tigers. I hope you have a little more perspective than I do on this game because I I don't want to watch it after about the first quarter. Yeah, there's a little perspective of this. I mean, the comparison to this one a year ago, LSU was dealing with the same thing that Purdue was going with. Uh, a new head coach uh, coming in, a lot of opt-outs, and they get blown out by Kansas State 42-20. to, to 20. And then Purdue is like is in the same situation. LSU did have some opt-outs, especially on the defensive side. Yeah some key guys out in this game, but I enjoyed every bit of this one uh, as an LSU fan. <laughs> but I mean, this was just, just a fun bowl game uh, to watch uh, if on our side. I mean, uh, Jane Daniels did get the start in this one. Uh, they, you know, LSU's offense at uh, their first drive, they had to punt in this one. Uh, that was pretty much their, the only stop by Purdue in the first half because every drive after that LSU was able to find the touchdown. But, Noah Kane, a guy that you're familiar with, had a good game in this one. Uh, two touchdowns uh, in this one. John Emery had a touchdown. There's a lot of trick plays as well. LSU brought out the old Philly special to go up 42 to nothing on Purdue. Uh, Malik Neighbors uh, seems he's going to be the the quarterback three heading in the next season. As he had uh, two passes for 50 yards uh, and a touchdown in this game. So. There was not one, not two, but three quarterbacks in this game to throw a passing touchdown. He had Jane Daniels, Bleak Neighbors, and then also Garrett Nussmeyer throwing a touchdown. And he also had Walker Howard coming into this one to finish off the deal. So there's a lot of guys that you probably haven't heard of that scored a touchdown this one. You had Quad Wilson get a 99-yard interception in return to seal off the scoring in this one. So LSU's defense really dominated in this one. Uh, Purdue quarterback. They just couldn't get it going. Uh, Purdue's offense, they were losing their best quarterback, their best playmaker, Charlie Jones, their top tight end. This was always going to be a long stretch. And honestly, the point spread was 15 and a half. This honestly should have been a 30-point spread the way that this game played out. So good season, though, for Brian Kelly, getting 10 wins in his first season, winning the SEC West. A season for me for Brian Kelly. Absolutely, yeah, for, for LSU. Can't get it A+. Um, plus. <laughs> Not quite yeah. yet. Yeah, I, I give them an A minus on the season. 
I think there was a couple of slip-ups. Uh, of course, they fall short. They're at 17. There's some games there that they shouldn't have lost. Um, and some games there that we didn't see them winning. So, I mean, that's why I give them an A-. minus. Um, I think anything above a B- minus would have been a good season for LSU. Uh, so, for them to get an A-, minus and an A for me, I, I think, uh, is a good season for them in the first season of the Brian Kelly era. Uh, moving on to our next game here, and this one, folks, I know I said the most exciting one was that Notre Dame and South Carolina one, but there was another game, and uh, this game yesterday was the best game of the bowl season, period, the end, uh, because the number 16-ranked Tulane Green Wave faced off against the 10th-ranked USC Trojans. Uh, in the Cotton Bowl here in Arlington, Texas. Uh, Tulane wins the game 46-45. to 45. Um, Tyler, the difference in this game for me is Tulane gets a safety after the kickoff goes down to the one-yard line. It doesn't go through the end zone. Uh, kind of a, a miracle kick. Um, and USC ultimately has to go back there and get the ball in hopes of getting it out of there once their offense comes on the field and it took two plays for, for Tulane to get down uh, the running back in the end zone for a safety. Uh, they go down by six from that time, and uh, it's a 45-40 to 40 game, or 45-39 to 39 game. And uh, Tulane comes out of the gate after getting the ball off the safety punt uh, that goes back to them, obviously, in the rules of football, score safety, get the ball back. We don't see it very often, so I thought I'd explain it very briefly. Um, and Tulane goes down the field with uh, Michael Pratt, and, and and they get a touchdown. I was so shocked at how well and fast they were able to move the football. Uh, big plays, two fourth down conversions in that one. Destiny ultimately on the side of Tulane. Tulane gets the Cotton Bowl win. And uh, for USC, you lose back-to-back games here. And you finish the season uh, in a rough situation. I was uh, ultimately shocked by this, and uh, there's going to be a large wound there for for USC uh, going into next season. And Tulane, uh, of course, with when I open the show saying historic, this was the historic game. Tulane becomes the first team uh, to turn the season around completely in the largest comeback from season to season in FBS football history uh, with their uh, 12 and what 12 and two season uh, is fantastic. And uh, props to the Tulane green wave here. Uh, Great season for them. And they ultimately capped it off with a fantastic cotton bowl win that they'll take back to New Orleans. Yeah. I went on a show earlier. It was uh, one of the belly up shows and I was the only guy that picked Tulane in this one. They were saying like, what kind of Louisiana season are you going down there? Well, for those people that doubted the two lingering wave, here you go. They won the Cotton Bowl 12 win season for Willie Fritz. You go from two and 12 to 12 and two. If he's not the coach of the year this year, then I don't know who, who should be. I mean, this was definitely the really the going from a dumpster fire to really, you know, putting yourself as an elite program hanging in the next season. I think that. USC offense was not the problem. This one, Caleb Williams showed why he won the Heisman five touchdowns. The main issue that I had in going into this game, and this is really one of the sole reasons I picked Tulane, was USC's defense. I don't know. I mean, Lincoln Riley, I don't know what he sees in Alex Grinch, but 
We saw this same problem in Oklahoma. We're seeing it with USC. They have one of the best offenses, but once you set their defense on the field, you're going to be able to score 40 on them as well. I mean, you put up 45 points and you still lose a game, that should create some concern uh, for Lincoln Riley. He's got to hire somebody else other than Alex Grinch because he is not your guy. You have seen it for multiple years in Norman, and now you've seen it in his first year at Los Angeles. So I think that Ty J. Spears, the running back, he had 204 yards with four touchdowns in this one. He he like only took like – probably 30 minutes after the game, I'm going to the NFL draft. So I think that he's going to be a guy that is going to vault up the draft boards. But what an electric fourth quarter comeback by this Green Wave team. I mean, like you mentioned, you brought up the safety that ultimately led to that touchdown catch, uh, which was ultimately reviewed. It was at first uh, on the field uh, reviewed. uh, It was incomplete, and then they reviewed it, and then it was complete, and then everybody – in Dallas, in New Orleans, they went crazy. And what a win for Tulane. Green Wave, thank you for proving all of us right as all of us uh, picked the Green Wave. Absolutely. Both of us rolled with the Green Wave uh, in their fantastic season capped off with the Cotton Bowl win. You take that big, beautiful trophy back to New Orleans and uh, display that you know, big and proud there uh, for that Green Wave faithful. And uh, moving on to our next one. And, of course, the recap finishes with the granddaddy of them all in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena, California. Of course, this is my favorite game to watch all year long. It doesn't matter who's playing in it. It just so happens that my number 11th ranked Penn State Nittany Lions are playing in this one up against the number 8 ranked Utah Utes. Uh I goes back to a little bit of history, you know, Penn state plays in their, in, in the first ever uh, Rose bowl, which was against uh, USC. They end up losing that one, but Penn state plays again in 1923. And uh, it has been a hundred years since, you know, since that time. And uh, they play in this one against Utah. They've never played against Utah before. This is the first meeting between the two teams with James Franklin and Kyle Whittingham. Uh, I'm very struck by um, how Penn State played offensively in this one. You know, I, I both of us talked about this, and I think it was the running game, and uh, there had to be a strong running game from Penn State. Let me tell you what there was, uh, and Sean Clifford played the game of his career and uh, arguably the last game of his football career. Uh, in a Penn State uniform or any uniform period. Um, of course, they finish it out, and he finishes uh, 16 of 21 for 279 yards and two touchdowns, no turnovers. Um, some great catches, some great throws for them, and really showed his veteran presence out there on the field one last time. For Nick Singleton, a huge game for him in the backfield along with Catron Allen, who balanced it out for them. Uh, I mean, really, touchdowns were 80-plus yard plays, you know, where Utah got beat deep, and I'm sitting there looking at him going, what happened? I was like, it was it was just a, a mixed communication in the backfield multiple times for Utah, and, and they just couldn't, they couldn't figure it out. It, it just seemed strange that a team that had no problem scoring against USC – put up the kitchen sink against USC and uh, they, uh, they just couldn't stop Penn state. Penn state wins this one uh, 35 to 21 or arguably 35 to 14 TC or I'm sorry, Utah gets a garbage touchdown 
uh, with about 20 seconds left in this one to get it to a two touchdown game here. But, uh, you know, a lot of people had this a lot closer than this, Tyler. It was a one, a one and a half point line in this one for Penn state, but Utah was the favorite most of the week up until game time. I'm not sure what happened there. Somebody in Vegas decided to flip a coin. Um, but yeah, I I'm shocked, uh, by the showing that Penn State had on offense defensively, holding a, a high power offense like Utah uh, to 21 points in this one is solid. I mean, that really goes to show that Penn State's defense is one of the best in the country, and we'll see what happens going into next season. Yeah, this was a back and forth game uh, going into the first half, and honestly, into the half as well. It was a 14 14 game. Uh, you know, it was. It was Penn State getting out to an early uh, nickel, Nick uh, Singleton uh, got an early touchdown, and then Utah scored again. And then it was pretty much like the defenses were really controlling the early start of the first quarter. And then, like every Rose Bowl, there's always a stretch where you're going to get touchdown, 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 touchdown. That's exactly what happened. Really, the main story uh, in this one was Cam Rising going down with injury. It sucks for him. This is in back-to-back years. that He starts a Rose Bowl but doesn't get to finish it out. But honestly, it didn't matter who was going to be in the quarterback. You got to give credit to Penn State's defense. I think that their defensive front, you saw it. They were able to create pressure. I think that Manny Diaz, you got to give all the credit to him. You know, that was an excellent hire by James Franklin and bringing him in. He's one of the best defensive-minded coaches. He just didn't have it as a head coach. So I think that's going to be a head uh, defensive coach hire. But Nick Singleton, I mean – this is just uh, Saquon Barkley light that I'm seeing in my in my TV screen right now. I mean, this man went off for 87-yard touchdown run and two times that we saw Penn State go back to like the 1930s and do the wing tee offense and <laughs> just like hand it off uh, to either Katron Allen or Nick Singleton. It didn't matter. So, I mean, very impressive showing for Penn State. I think as all impressive it was, Sean Clifford, I think this was one of his best games that he played in his career. You saw the emotion whenever he stepped off the field as this is going to be his final uh, game for the Penn State uh, offense. We saw Drew Rowler. He didn't really throw the ball as Penn State was pretty much just running the clock out. They didn't want to really put up any more bleeding on Utah. Utah, like you mentioned, was able – uh, to get that late touchdown. So very impressed for Penn State. And I'm going to go ahead and set a bold prediction. Write this down. In 2023, with all that everything's coming back, Drew Rowler, Penn State's going to win the Big Ten next year. Wow. Yeah, that is a bold or prediction. Or this year, I should say, since it's 2023. <laughs> yeah, it is a bold prediction. No, I, I can second you with I think Penn State will be competitive in the Big Ten east uh i can see them getting a win against michigan next year depending on what happens with the harbaugh situation uh and what happens of course with ryan day and the uh, ohio state buckeyes with losing cj stroud now i'm very uh very confident in penn state turning it around and being uh, a team that can be competitive once again and be a top 10 team you know we talked about how you know, a lot of these teams that are consistent within getting where they need to be in the New Year's Six year after year, Penn State seems like a team that uh, really can be in that 12-team playoff for many years to come. They can be a part of trying to shoot that goal for a national championship. be the first time in a very long time since 1986 that they win a title. Um, and I know they're looking forward to getting that opportunity. And the 12-team playoff gives them an opportunity to do it. You, you know, you get snubbed a number of years ago, 
And uh, this is really your chance in order to do it. And uh, they have to make a most of it here. And they're obviously giving themselves a good footing for the committee to say, look, this team deserves to be a top 10 team at the end of the day uh, with a big win against a good Utah team. Um, getting away from our recap, of course, it does come to our second sponsor of the show, which is the Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company. If you guys want to head over to Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company over there in Houston. Check out all of the brews and views of the city over there. You guys can head over to www.buffbrew.com. That is www.buffbrew.com. Tyler, we have one game left in the college football season before we start talking about next season, because as soon as we get into the next week here, you know, we're only game we're recapping is the national championship. And we got some stuff to talk about, of course. There'll be plenty of news around uh, college football for that to come up. But it is national championship time now here. um, Less than a week away, Tyler. We have the national championship on January 9th uh, between the third-ranked TCU Horned Frogs and the number-one-ranked Georgia Bulldogs. Uh, I am glad this game is in California. It is at SoFi Stadium, new venue, New environment. I'm excited for it. I'm ready. Super Bowl was there last year. Now we have the national championship there this year. Um, I, I'm trying to figure out how to compare the two teams. It's very difficult to do that, especially at this point of the season. Um, TCU, of course, or team of destiny that we talk about uh, with Sonny Dykes and how they've uh, figured it out something at TCU they've something's clicked um you know with Max Duggins and and how they're able to control it uh offensively defensively they're the best team in the Big 12 like you and I have mentioned um I think they're going to have no problem scoring against Georgia you know I think you mentioned the whole you know Georgia's defense has given up 30 plus points the last two times they've played Oh, 30 against LSU and then 40 plus against Ohio State. Um, I'm worried that they can give up a lot of points to TCU in a hurry if uh, they don't show up. And uh, TCU's defense can get after uh, Stetson Bennett. I I think that's possible. I think they can do that. Um, I want to get your thoughts on it before we do make our picks for the game. Yeah, this is an intriguing matchup. I mean, if you would have told me that TCU would be in this spot in the preseason, I, I probably would have laughed at you. I just didn't – I mean, with the, the new head coach, you just don't see it in often in college football. You can see it every once in a while with the NFL. But first-year head coaches in their first year making the national championship is definitely something bizarre. I definitely think that TCU is not going to be scared in this one. They're already a 13-point favorite, so they can already use that to their advantage. No one's going to be picking them. Uh, in this game, they're probably going to be more picking them, especially with the way that Georgia has been playing. There's definitely a lot of question marks on the defensive side of the ball, how Georgia will match up. But uh, we'll see if, if TCU can really – they're going to have to get a fast start in this one. I think that a fast start is definitely needed in this one because if Georgia gets off uh, to a fast start and TCU has to climb out of it, I know that TCU, we have seen them in the in this season that they have been able to come back from an 18-point deficit. But – this really can't happen against a Georgia team that has been there before. This is a team that has the championship mindset, especially at the quarterback position, the way that Stetson Bennett has been playing. So that is definitely going to be a matchup 
that I'm looking for, Max Duggan versus uh, Stetson Bennett. But I think that the running game is definitely going to be more important in this one. Whatever running game uh, can get going, we'll see if Miller is going to be healthy enough to go uh, for TCU in this one. That's definitely going to be a storyline to watch. Uh, but we'll see if TCU can match up like they did against Michigan's offensive line. How can their defensive line match up against Georgia? So those are two matchups that I'm watching. Yeah, you know, I like the first matchup there with TCU. You know, their one-two punch of Di Mercata and uh, Miller. I I think if Miller's healthy for this one, it gives Georgia trouble. Um, that was the one thing I was worried about with TCU and Michigan there. As soon as Miller went out, I was worried that they were going to have trouble running the football. Uh, I was wrong in that one. I do think that they need both guys to balance it out. They got to give somebody some rest because uh, guys are not robots. I'm sorry, these guys are not robots. It, it, I know that Max Duggins can run for days and everything, but they're they are ultimately human, and uh, they need a break every once in a blue moon. So, uh, I think it's uh, I I I think it's a good thing for Georgia to play against a team like TCU in this one. It kind of brings them back to earth a little bit. Uh, cause I just don't, TCU is not scared to play a team like Georgia. They haven't been scared to play really anybody uh, at this point. And I think that there's a, a really good chance that TCU puts up a fight. I do get that Georgia's a 12 point favorite right now. And we are six days out. We'll see what happens. It probably gets a little closer. I think it'll probably closes at 10 at the end of it all. Um, but Georgia is obviously going to be the favorite in this one. I mean, if you are, uh, gutsy enough to take TCU money line in this one, you go right ahead and do it because I think TCU ultimately has an opportunity to do it. We've seen crazier things. I mean, we just saw Tuling make a giant comeback and win a win a Cotton Bowl and the biggest turnaround ever. Uh, TCU wins the uh, national championship semifinal. They win a playoff semifinal, and here they are playing for a national championship uh, in a huge turnaround uh, this season. So uh, all signs point towards. Uh, a crazy football game here and a close football game here. Um, I, I think the safe bet in this one is to take the TCU spread, uh, take TCU to cover the the fifteen, you know, or twelve, or you know, whatever it may be when it closes. Um, I think that they can cover that. Uh, for me, I, I hmm, man, this is tough. I. <laughs> I'm going to go wild. You know, I'm wild with my picks. Um, I don't think anybody else could expect me taking Georgia. Um, so I'm going to go with the TCU Horn Frogs. I, I think TCU can win it all. And uh, I know it sounds crazy, but it's crazy that they've gotten to this point of the season. And I think they have all the momentum that they need, especially with Georgia barely squeaking a win out and TCU getting a pretty big win uh, against the number two team. And uh, I just think that they view Georgia and Michigan on the same level of intensity and they know that they can do it and they can win it and they have belief in themselves and that's all they need. So I'm going to roll with the TCU Horn Frogs to, to win the Natty. Yeah, I think that TCU is definitely going to bring the physicality like they did uh, against Michigan. And then Georgia, like we mentioned, that they're going to get us really a second chance uh, in this one. Uh, they really escaped uh, in this one. They got outplayed in this one uh, in uh, their matchup against Ohio State. So I think that Georgia is going to be extra motivated. Even I know that they won that game, but I think that that game is going to wake them up. Kirby Smart is not going to want them to make that same mistake again. I think that Georgia is definitely going to have an effective uh, game plan on the defensive side. 
like you mentioned, I think the safe bet is to take that TCU plus 12. I just don't see this national championship uh, being this close. We have seen this TCU team. They just feel like a team of destiny this year. I feel like every opponent that they face, either going to come back and win or they're just going to put up 50 uh, on them like they did against Michigan. So I do expect a lot of points. Uh, once again, I, I think that both of these defenses really are reeling, especially Georgia's secondary. I think uh, that Johnston is definitely going to test them. But in the end, Georgia's going to go back-to-back in this one. TCU, I think that they have been a really great story, but I think their story comes up just short. I think Georgia gets a close victory. Uh, the winner in this one's going to have to score 40, I will tell you that. So I think that they win 42-38 to 38 in a close game, and Georgia goes back-to-back for the first time since the 2011-2012 Bama team. Yeah, folks, did you really think that Todd was going to pick anybody but the SEC no. the national championship? <laughs> the um, only time so... I didn't was Iowa and Clemson. Yes. <laughs> and I was so, one for one. Uh, yes. And Tyler, of course, goes uh, goes with the SEC team that represents uh, themselves as the only SEC team in the national championship. Uh, it gives us a short segment here to – discuss some news around uh college football and there's been some changes some ups and downs and all over the places and the first one goes to Grayson McCall let me tell you what this guy's confused the living heck out of me I, I I don't know what's going on he decides to exit the transfer portal after getting smacked by uh East Carolina University uh he's returning to Coastal Carolina I I'm confused I'm lost it's whatever uh, but Grayson McCall decides to stay. Tyler, is this a good or a bad move on Grayson McCall's uh, side of things? I mean, I guess it's a great – I just don't know if there was anybody who really wanted him or if is there something else that, that's really going on with him. So I think returning to Coastal Carolina, you don't won't have Jimmy Chadwell anymore. So I think that even with Grayson McCall coming back, I mean, Coastal Carolina's defense was atrocious in the second half of the season. They couldn't stop anybody. They let up 41 41- uh, Detroit uh, in the Sun Belt Championship. They had a 53 against East Carolina. So I think it's a good move for him. Uh, hopefully he can put up some, you know, really quality numbers this season. Then after next season, that's when we'll probably see him enter uh, the NFL draft, uh, which should be uh, another really good uh, quarterback class uh, going into the next season. So I would say uh, right now it's a good, uh, really a good decision. I don't really know why he decided to go back. Well, maybe we can see in the coming weeks uh, maybe the decision of that uh but we'll just have to see but i guess there was really no one that really wanted him already had the quarterback in place i thought that auburn would have been really a good place for him go for a few freeze you know the liberty uh head coach he has the offensive system that really suits uh, Grayson mccall but i guess it didn't work out yeah i mean a lot of question marks around that um and ultimately his decision to go back is his decision um, you know, the transfer portal is great at times and it's messed up at times. I I think he explored his options and realized he was better off staying. Uh, to be honest with you, I, I just think that's how it went and that's how it goes sometimes in college football. And he saw what he had at Coastal Carolina and uh, held on to that opportunity because he knows he can be that starter, hopefully give himself enough uh, in a draft type, you know, going after this next season. Um, speaking of the draft, getting to our second piece of news, uh, we're going to Alabama for this one. Bryce Young and Will Anderson both declare for the 2023 NFL draft uh, to come soon here in the summertime. Uh, 
I, I'm ex- I expected this obviously with Bryce Young walking off the field, you know, uh, motioning to the crowd, you know, waving to the crowd uh, after he was pulled in this game uh, against K State. Of course, Will Anderson as well. I just don't think there's anything else for Will Anderson to accomplish at Alabama as Bryce as well as Bryce Young. Uh, it's just time for both of them to move on and uh, go to the next level of football. I, I have questions on where Bryce Young will go. I have questions on will wh- where Will Anderson will go and where these two guys uh, would fit best. Tyler, I know we don't get into the NFL very much, but where is the two likely spots for both of these guys? Yeah, this was definitely uh, going to happen. I just knew uh, after the Kansas State game that they were just going to declare after that. But give them kudos uh, in the – world of people opting out these were going to be the the top three draft picks are right here bryce young is going to go probably be the number one overall draft pick and i think that the likely landing spot is going to be the houston texans i think i just don't think that davis mill david mills is going to be the guy for them they need a, a guy it's we're seeing most of these quarterbacks you know be a dual threat guy i know that bryce young is going to be docked uh, for his size. You know, he's not, you know, the most bulkiest uh, quarterback and he's not, you know, the tallest quarterback out there. But I think he's definitely the best quarterback in this draft class. I think that C.J. Stroud is really 1A and 1B to him as well. We saw that what Stroud could do against a really good Georgia defense. I think Will Anderson, he's going to be the first defensive player off of the board. I would either say uh, it's probably going to be the Chicago Bears. That would definitely be a team that needs a defensive player right there. You don't really need another quarterback. I think that Justin Fields is their future. So I think that getting Will Anderson, especially losing Roquan Smith uh, in a trade with the Baltimore Ravens, that just that just feels like a splash pick right there. Yeah, it feels like uh, he's a good fit for Will Anderson, at least in Chicago, knowing that you know Khalil Mack is no longer on that team. Roquan Smith isn't on that team anymore. And they need a guy who can be a good pass rusher. And uh, I think that he can be a decent pass rusher for the Chicago Bears. Uh, he just wasn't a real impact to Alabama this season. It just didn't feel like he was. And I thought he would actually leave after last season, uh, knowing the kind of season he had last year. And I think this season kind of, you know, he stayed level on the draft board. And I don't think there was any a lot of room for him to move up anyways. Um, and, and it just might have been his place in Alabama where he just wanted to stay uh, with his guys for another year. You just don't know with these personal choices with guys and of course that is their choice you know to move on uh whether they want to stay or move on um and it's of course for Bryce Young yeah I think Houston will likely be the landing spot for him I don't think Davis Mills is is going to be the future of the Houston Texans and uh could be a lifelong backup in the NFL um but yeah I, I do think uh there's a lot to come of course from guys declaring for the draft there's plenty more guys that haven't declared yet that we'll see probably declare here in the next couple of weeks and we'll be covering all that here in the coming weeks as well uh and last but not least getting into our last piece but before that we do have another sponsor and that is yeti if you guys want to head over there and get all of your rugged gear to hold all of those cold drinks in as the temperatures will soon rise up here in the next couple of months uh we'll be back at least down here into the 80s and 90s yay can't wait um I kind of love this weather. I can see the excitement. Yeah, I I love this weather. I don't know why. I just I like the 50s, 60s weather. What are you um, talking about? It's been like 75 degrees every day the past week. Well, yeah, but I a couple of weeks ago at least. Well, actually, a couple of weeks ago we were actually it was like 20, like 20. 20. 
it was like 20 degrees um that sucks but um as long as it's not snowing that's okay um we can deal with the wind it's whatever stay inside folks or you know whatever it may be i know i think we're gonna get some bad weather here today um Mm -hmm. i think it's coming your way very shortly and after you it'll be i can hear the rumblings already yes so yeah it's uh it's gonna hit you soon and of course i'll be soon after you in probably about an hour so (laughs) it's one of those uh where we're in the line of fire for weather this time of year in big rainstorms the temperature change so yeah if you guys want to keep those drinks cold of course getting back to our sponsor we got on a tangent there (laughs) Uh, but if you guys want to go over there and uh, spend some money over a Yeti, you guys can get a free 14-ounce uh, Rambler mug with your order over $200 site-wide over there. Uh, let us know that you, what you got over there and uh, give us a little shout-out. We'll uh, kind of shout you guys out on social media and let you know, let us know what you got. We'll, we'll uh, second your, your choice there on what you got and what you're going to do with it. Uh, is it going to be your everyday thing? Is it going to be your adventure thing? Uh, you know, whatever it might be. A lot of people get the cooler, throw them in their truck and uh, go on road trips. And of course, that would be what I would do uh, if I was going to spend $200 over at Yeti. Uh, you guys can head over there and get all that gear over at Yeti.com or you can follow that link down below and uh, support our show. Once again, uh, Tyler, getting to our question here um you posed a great question for the show to close out the show and it is who is the best team to not win a national championship in the last decade so the last decade so i guess we'll go 2013 to 2023 um yep who is that team for you to be the best team to not win a national championship yeah, this is a question that I had, especially with the national championship being just six days away. Uh, so I'll kind of give you a little taste of what my mindset is thinking. So starting in 2013, uh, this was whenever the playoff was 2014. So that was Ohio State uh, winning it uh, that year. And you had uh, the Florida State team uh, that got really waxed in the Rose Bowl, 56 to 20, uh, Marcus Mariota. So that's definitely a team uh, that I was looking at, uh, that that Oregon team. But just how badly they got blown out and that they were like the best team of that year. Ohio State was just running through that. You could have also said the Mississippi State team uh, that year as well. They started that year uh, number one. Uh, they had Dak Prescott. They had a really good uh, running back, uh, another receiver, Deronia Wilson. Another team that I'm really thinking of is the 2016 Penn State team. This team uh, was left out of the college football playoff. They had Trace McSorley, a really good defense. I mean, that was probably a top three college football defense uh, in that decade. Uh, you had Mike Kosicki. You had some really good – I'm pretty sure – was that the Black Nile years, uh, their top yes, wide receiver? Yes. It was. Uh, so that's another team. Um Really, that's like really the only teams uh, that I can think of. You could probably say the the 2019 Alabama team, uh, the, the way that they were playing. But that year, LSU just ran house on them. So I'm going to go with the 2016 Penn State team. I think that that was the best team to not win a national championship in the last decade. Personally, I think they got robbed anyways of, not, uh, of a college football playoff. I know that they had two losses, but they really – what irked me was Ohio State, the team that they beat. I know that they had one loss, but still respect the head-to-head of this year. I'm sure that will definitely uh, not be a question mark anymore as we head into the expansion of 12 teams. So, I, I mean, that was just a team that I'm a fan of. I mean, Trace McSorley was my dude back in the day. I mean, he has a song named after him because everybody likes him. 
he can throw it on the dime, maybe not in the NFL, but he threw it on a dime back there in the 2016 season. So it's got to be them for me. So I'm curious to see who you got. Um, For me, you mentioned them already. I think it is that Oregon team from the Rose Bowl. Um, <laughs> yeah, I do agree. Austin's the worst team to win a national championship. Yeah, I can't. Cardale Jones. Right. Yeah, I just can't. I, I, I hated that. It was just rough to see uh, a committee take another team over just being who they are rather than looking at their season as a whole. Um, and that was a lot of, you know, speculation, and honestly, why we're going to the 12 team playoff. Uh, but for me, I think it's that Oregon team that you mentioned, you know, up against Florida state there in the Rose bowl. It, it that team there was so good. They had so many weapons and they just seemed unstoppable. I mean, they steamroll uh, Florida state and it would, it just felt like a team that should have been in a better spot you know, really, and uh, it just felt that they really should have been that team to win that national championship. Um, Them and even uh, Alabama in 2016 was another team, you know, that fell short. That was a really good Alabama team uh, that fell short. I I just, that's another one. Uh, But ultimately, I think it's that Oregon team. I think Mariota was one of those quarterbacks um, in college, one you know, I, I have five quarterbacks in college really that were the best college quarterbacks that aren't the best in the NFL. You know, it's one of those things where it was like guys like let's throw it back. Let's go like AJ McCarron, Marcus Mariota, Trace McSorley, uh, even Cam Newton, Tebow, uh, Tebow. Yeah, I mean, there's so Johnny many guys, Manziel. Johnny Manziel. There's so many guys that were really good college quarterbacks. Um, that just never amounted to anything in the NFL. Um, and I think that's what happens a lot of times. These guys are really good in those systems. They go in the NFL and it's all pro style offense. And some guys just don't, they don't mix well with that. And they're better in, in the college atmosphere. Um, but yeah, I, I, that Oregon team was fantastic. But yeah, I agree with you that 2016 Penn State team uh, was probably the best team that Penn State's had since 1994. Um, I say if we're going outside of, you know, completely, I think the best team to not win a national championship was that, undefeated, was that undefeated Penn State team in 1994. I think that was the best Penn State team to not win a national championship. That was, that's my pick for LSU. It's 2011 LSU. That was the best team that did not win a national championship. The 13-1 uh, season. Yeah, 13-1 uh, season, and you get drubbed in the national championship by Bama, 21 nothing. That was definitely uh, a sight to see for LSU fans. It's pretty bad when our two teams are. It's it's pretty bad when our two teams are the teams with arguably the best seasons that didn't win an actual championship. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it, it hurts. Yes, we are on the losing end of a lot. Tyler, of course, has the last national championship between our two teams. Uh, so we'll see yeah, what happens here. Yeah, we flipped this. You already know my answer. The best yeah. team to win the national championship in the last sure. decade. Sure, <laughs> went from the the best team to not win it to the best team to win it. Um, but, of course, uh, if you guys have your opinions on who you think the best team is uh, to didn't win a national championship, best team that like did had, win a national championship. We might have to put that on Twitter. Yeah. That, I feel like that would be a lot of people saying a lot of different teams. I'm curious because I had I like I just had like, hmm, I wonder who was like the best team. So we'll, we'll put it on Twitter on the Sports yeah, we'll Ramble. It- so definitely go over there, follow it, and we'll put up a question, what, you know, what feedback we get from our viewers. Absolutely. And if you guys want to check out any more of our content, you guys can check us out on College Football Coast to Coast 
on Monday afternoons. Of course, coming up this next week, a lot of crazy things going on for me, so we'll see where we can fit in the show next week. Uh, of course, with the national championship on Monday night, it probably won't be till Tuesday till we do a show because yeah. I don't think that we're going to want to do a show. Yeah, we're going to let the, the national championship play out. That way we can recap yeah. it. Yeah, we'll let it play out and uh, we'll give you guys uh, a pre a post-game show. Uh, maybe the next on day to after the off that. season. And on to the off season. There's a lot for us to talk about in the off season. And we'll have a little schedule uh, of how we're going to play out the off season um, and what we're going to do and fit in where. A lot of things to come for us in the off season. A lot of ideas we have for the off season for us and the viewers. Uh, so we will collaborate with that. And we're going to collaborate with a lot of people in the off season to bring you guys some insider content um, and what's going on in the college football world. If you guys want to check out any other of our shows, you guys can catch Sports Scramble. That's on Sunday nights. You can catch uh, that's over where anywhere you're, anywhere you get your podcast, you guys can check that out on Twitter. Um, of course, show some love over there. As we're bringing you some content there on YouTube, you guys can watch the show on there. Uh, go check out some of our highlights over there from our YouTube short. You guys can head over there and see those and give us your prediction and your view on some of our polls that we put out there on there and on TikTok. And of course, if you guys want to check out SEC Talk with Tyler and Wade, uh, the last show is... It's actually going to be Thursday night since uh, Wade has a dog training session to go to tonight. So be uh, sure to yeah. tune into that on Thursday. Uh, that will be our last uh, regular season show for football. And we'll have some off-season shows whenever we have March Madness. Knock on wood, hopefully my bracket will do that. Also, we'll have a bracket show here. I know that we're a college football show, but a lot of people love uh, March Madness. Yeah, we'll have a dedicated couple of weeks there uh, for college basketball, of course. Because that is kind of the craziest thing going on in March Madness, and hence why it's called March Madness. Um, and we'll have a lot of content over there for that when that comes around soon. Uh, but this is our second to last show covering football. Uh, this is basically is our last show covering before the national championship season went by very fast. Tyler, it's a great football season. A lot of Cinderella stories out there, and one still left to happen. Uh, so we'll see what happens here next week on Monday. Guys, go watch that national championship game and go have some fun hanging with some friends there. Uh, that's what we're going to try to do at least. I know I'm going to try to, uh, but uh, you guys can catch that over on Monday, January 9th, uh, between TCU and Georgia at SoFi Stadium. Uh, and, of course, if you guys want to catch any more of our content, head over to our page. Show us some love. Let us know what you got going on, uh, and we will try to shout you guys out as soon as we can. Uh, we will see you guys, of course, next week for that recap of the national championship in 2023. See you then.